Welcome to the Addiction Connection podcast, connecting the hope of the gospel with the heart of addiction. I'm your host, Mark Shaw, and this is a special series, a podcast we're calling A Critique of the 12 Steps, and I am joined today with a special guest named C.J. McMurray. Hi, C.J. Hi, Mark. Great to be here with you today. Yeah, I'm fired up to have you, brother. You are a blessing in my life, so thank you for joining me. Right back at you, brother. (laughs) Well, we're doing this series at the risk of offending everybody. I mean, when I read literature and research that says 93% of the treatment and rehabilitation programs utilize a version of the 12 steps, I recognize quickly that I'm going to be doing podcasts that are only going to be popular with 7% of the the people in the addiction world. (laughs) So I don't know if that means I'm a fool or what, but, um, but I have one person to please, and that's the Lord Jesus. And I really want people to understand the truths and where uh, the truths of scripture and where the 12 steps fall short of that. And I want to read Colossians 2, verse 8. It says this, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And so that's our focus in this entire series, this critique of the 12 steps. We want to talk about where the steps are not according to Christ, but are more according to human tradition, philosophy, empty deceit, elemental spirits of the world, and those things, and where it gets caught up in that, and it contradicts and opposes Christ and his word. And so that's the purpose of this entire series, and I'm uh, really glad CJ's going to join me today for this podcast. I want to start by reading step five, and then I want to ask CJ to comment on uh, this particular step. So we're just looking at step five of the 12 steps today. Step five reads, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. And so, CJ, uh, talk to me. Tell me just one of your concerns about this particular step of the 12 steps. I would love to. Before I do, should I give you a little background of just uh, my yeah. experience with the 12 steps in general? Yeah, let's do yeah. that. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. That'd be great. You know, just to put my testimony in a nutshell, from a young, pretty young age, I uh, pursued pleasure in down all kinds of different paths. And uh, that started with, you know, like like many people, it started with tobacco, chewing tobacco, cigarettes, and it led to drinking and just kind of continued to lead to harder drugs that, again, just over and over, just many different things. But uh, my first experience uh, with uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and a 12-step program is I, uh, I'd actually uh, almost died. I drank uh, a fifth of Jim Beam when I was 15 years old at a party and I thought I was showing off and thinking I was really a cool cat and really, uh, found myself, uh, in the hospital. I had to get taken to the hospital, I had to get my stomach pumped. And I ended up having to go to a treatment program that uh, focused in on the 12 steps and AA and some of those things. And I remember, uh, going through that program and, and not, 
you know, going through the steps. I mean, I think, I don't think I even worked all the steps, but I remember working through one through five, uh, while I was there. And, uh, I still didn't, uh, I didn't believe in the God that I believe in now, the God of the Bible. Uh, I just had uh, a higher power, uh, a God of my own understanding. And I continued that, that path for, for quite a while. Um, I actually, there was one time I was in a treatment program later in life when I was 19 or 20, I think I was 20 years old. I was in a, another, uh, 12 step program. They told me I could make anything my higher power. So I actually made my relationship with my daughter that uh, she wasn't born yet. And I wanted to be a good dad. And they just said, yeah, you can make that your higher power your relationship, your desire to be a better dad. And I said, okay, long story short, uh, when I got out of that program and was spending time with my daughter, her mother ended up moving to another state and I couldn't see my daughter anymore. So there went my higher power. I didn't have a lot, you know, I wasn't, I didn't get to see my daughter anymore. I wasn't able to be the father that I wanted to be. Or just, I didn't have a lot of uh, that time. So there, there, I mean, again, it just goes to show you the, you know, the, that having your higher power as just anything and everything will not do. Um, and so that was my path until uh, April of 2004, when a little old lady from my past came and shared the gospel with me in county jail, and it flipped my whole world upside down. I mean, she shared it in a very simple way, and it just, it's like a light just went on, and I repented and believed the gospel that day, and I started learning and growing in the Word, and, and again, the rest is history, and it would take me too long to tell you everything, but that's kind of how it started for me. And that's great. So, I'm glad we started with that because too the listeners need to understand you're not somebody who is sitting in an ivory tower and critiquing 12 steps you're somebody who has worked and been in the program and understood the 12 steps and uh, and all of that and boy when you talk about a disappearing higher power man that is uh what an awful thing and and what a great promise to know that God tells us he will never leave us or forsake us you know um, unlike our higher powers of our own choosing, uh, you know, who leave us and forsake us, God is unlike those in that he will never leave or forsake us. So that was a great start. Now tell us a little bit about some of your concerns about this particular step, step five, and I'll read it again. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Really doesn't sound bad. I mean, you read that and you go, hey, nothing wrong here, right? Yeah, for sure. On the surface, this one looks super solid, really, on the surface. But as you look closer, you know, and dig in just a little bit deeper, there is some major problems with it. And so that's what I want to talk about. And I just kind of have three things. Um, I think you limited it to three so we wouldn't talk too long, didn't you? That's right. I didn't want you going on and on and on. I mean, people <laughs> got to get back to their lives, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, let me get right after it then. Um, right off the bat, uh, I just, I just want to say the first point that I want to make is admission is okay, but confession is so much better. Uh, and so you see on on page 56 and 57, uh, and this is actually from the 12 Steps and the 12 Traditions, uh, I'm just going to read a couple things from there. Great. 56 and 57. 
on the 12 steps and 12 traditions. This practice of admitting one's defects to another person is, of course, very ancient. It has been validated in every century, and it characterizes the lives of all spiritually centered and truly religious people. But today, religion is by no means the sole advocate of the saving principle. Psychiatrists and psychologists point out the deep need every human being has for practical insight and knowledge of his own personality flaws and for a discussion of them with an understanding and trustworthy person. So far as alcoholics are concerned, AA would go even further. Most of us would declare that without a fearless admission of our defects to another human being, we could not stay sober. It seems plain that the grace of God will not enter to expel our destructive obsessions until we are willing to try this. Again, you got to be careful because when you read this, there's certain parts of it's like, okay, that's great. He said the grace of God. You know, We're going to get into that. What does he mean when he says that? And I want to turn to the word because that's really what we want to be about here at the Addiction Connection. First John 1, 5 through 10 says this, and this is why confession is so much better. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we still walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My main point is admission is it just falls desperately short. You can admit a lot of things in your life, but if it doesn't follow with true confession that leads to repentance, that leads to lasting transformation in your life, you're missing. I mean, I just believe, I look back on my life and mere admission just was never enough. So I could talk about that a lot more, but I want to move on. So that's number one. Yeah, and if you have any questions, just interrupt me, Mark. I won't mind, okay? <laughs> no. You need clarification. All right. That's good. I really appreciate that you are quoting AA sources. And the source book you used there was the 12 Traditions. Is that right? Or, or what? Yeah, or the, the 12 and 12? The, the 12 Steps and the 12 Traditions. They call that the 12, 12 and 12. 12 and 12, yep. So just for our listening, that was... Uh, I forget the page numbers you mentioned, but they were 56 and 57. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Cause I want people to know what they're saying and what, what they teach. And, um, that's, that's powerful. That's good stuff. Um, all right. All right. Second point. Second point, which this really to me is the center of the whole talk. It's like, cause it starts off admitted to God. So really my second point is, what God are we really talking about here? And, and in the big book on page 46, so this is the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. I think I have the fourth edition here. Um, it's really interesting when you look at some of these books. This book actually looks like a Bible. It's got a soft cover on it, and yeah, it's very disturbing. But anyway, uh, so <laughs> let's look at page 46 and 47 of the big book. So 
again, and the, and the point is like, what God are we really talking about? That's more of a question, but I'll get to the point. Um, much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took another took other simple steps. We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive, or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. When, therefore, we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. Wow. That, I mean, I was, I hadn't read that for a long time, and I just, it was very interesting when you see in there how many times they say we, our relief, our own conception. So again, Jesus is very exclusive in the sense of in John 14, 6, Jesus lays out, he says, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus was very exclusive. So to say that, you know, that there's a broad, roomy, all-inclusive, you know, idea of conception of God is just, I mean, the Bible just doesn't agree with that. It comes, it's just totally in opposition of this idea. So there is a God who is, and the rest are counterfeits. Uh, Exodus 20, we, you know, in, in the Ten Commandments, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. I mean, the Bible is clear, and, and Jesus isn't afraid to draw a line in the sand and say that there's no other God that will do. There's no other God. There's only one way. And so, again, this is this point, I think, is it goes back to step number three. I mean, it goes back to the whole basis for the 12 steps. It's, you know, we make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. A God that, that we can create in our own image and own likeness is not the God of the Bible. I could go on, and uh, but I want to. Any, <laughs> no. any clarity you need there? Any questions? Clarity? <laughs> no, I. You know, you hit on such a such an important part of this whole thing is there's only one true God, and I I appreciate in one sense that AA twelve step groups are trying to get people on the path, and they say, well, mm-hmm. we help them get on the path to know God, and you know, but. But without the truth of God's word, because that's you're not going to find the one true God. I mean, it, it's 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 heresy. I mean, it you you just you have to have the word of God, and so that's what you're talking about here. You can't have a conceptualization of God and and a higher power belief in a false God. Anything else is counterfeit, as you said. There's one true God, and He reveals Himself through His Son Jesus and through His Word. 
And, and, you know, but I think the crazy thing about the, the 12 steps is, you know, people, you and I have talked about this, but people think of it as, well, it's helping people get sober. And, you know, in some of the stats that I've read, it's, it's really not, I mean, it's like six to 10%. And I know that'll make some listeners mad because they've been clean, you know, whatever, how many 50 years or whatever, and they give credit to AA. But the deal is, you know, not everybody gets clean going there. And um, and our concern is we want people to know the one true God of the Bible. And so if I had a loved one, if my brother were in AA, um, you know, a lot of people would say, well, you know, he's your brother, he's sober, he's doing well, you know, let's just let him go. But if he were in a cult, in a false teaching cult, you know, people would say, and I would say, get out of there. Don't go to that cult. That's, they teach the wrong thing. Run, get out of there. And people say, yeah, but AA isn't a cult. It isn't, you know, but it sets itself up as a spiritual fellowship, as a group, as a, a false church, really. The, I call it the church for the unbeliever. And so if we see it that way, we would tell people like my brother or whoever, and my brother's not in it, I'm just saying, it, for example. <laughs> <laughs> He'd probably be mad at me if he, why are you talking? But if he were, and, you know, it would be run, get out of that that cult, that false religion, because they're teaching things, and you, you've uncovered a few here and some of our other um, guests on different steps have talked about some of these same things. Their own literature says what they believe, and you read it for us, and it is a wow. It's like, whoa, people are missing yeah. that this is competing against God. That's why we started with Colossians 2, verse 8. Amen. Amen. Good word. You like, got me fired up, a, CJ. You got me fired up. It's your fault. Amen. I'm fired up. <laughs> I think you were fired up long before we got on the phone. Brother. You've been fired up for years. I have. So, just to piggyback off what you just said, um, I had a good a conversation a while back with a friend of mine that he's a, he's a believer and he's still involved in you know the twelve steps. Uh, he sponsors guys, and I just had a hard time. You know, I've tried to talk to him, and I said my biggest issue with AA and NA and the 12 steps and all those things, my biggest issue is that people can get their whole lives cleaned up. They can get sober. They can get clean. They can go to those meetings. They can maybe live a fairly successful life here and now and still never come to know Christ, never come to know him in a saving way that leads to eternal life. And so I'm thinking, like, I'm just saying, like, what's the point? If, if I'm going to hell anyway, then I might as well eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow. I, you know, we die. Like, it doesn't matter. That's why I'm just like, it's so much more than mere sobriety. Yes. It's so much more than that. And it just breaks my heart. I'm more concerned about the souls of people than I am, um, whether they're sober or not. Again, we love, we want to see people sober. We want to, but we want to see them living the life that God has for them, the fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Yeah. So anyway, don't. You're getting me too far off on that rabbit trail, well, but that, yeah, that's you're, my... you know, I remember, um, in, uh, step two, Bethany Roseberry talked about how sobriety is the number one goal. And the, and the things that she cited were, they talk about, well, if we can get, just get alcohol out of our life, that's our biggest problem. And no. she's, and she's like, no, our biggest problem is our sin, our selfishness, yes. our pride, all that. 
And that's what you're Amen. saying, the same thing. All right, so you have a third concern. Third, yes, third concern. And I'm going to quote my last um, book that I won't probably read much after this. Is <laughs> <laughs> on page 83 of the book, uh, kind of a companion, uh, As Bill Sees It, The AA Way of Life, Selected Writings of AA's Co-Founder. So, and this is on page 83, and it's just one little... Just a couple sentences. All of AA's 12 steps ask us to go contrary to our natural desires. They all deflate, deflate our egos. When it comes to ego deflation, few steps are harder to take than the fifth step. Scarcely any step is more necessary to long-time sobriety and peace of mind. I actually disagree with this statement that the fifth step of AA deflates our egos because it doesn't really deflate our egos at all if we have a God of our own understanding. You see what I mean? If we have created a God that we can understand and fits our way of doing things, how does that really deflate our ego? Now, if we bow and surrender and lay down and confess our sins to the God who is, the, the God of the universe, the God that we read about in the Bible, now that is that definitely deflates our ego. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So, so number three is who sets the standards on what is wrong? We must call the problem what it is. It's sin. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6 tells us that we all have gone astray. We've all gone our own way. And we are all, we are all desperate for righteousness that comes through Christ and him alone. Um, we read in Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen that, that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, correction, and reproof. That we might be, you know, the man of God may be equipped for every good work. Uh, that we might be competent. And so Hebrews tells us the Word of God is alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. So the standard is what God says, not what we, you know, the God that we've created in our own image. And so. Really, just to kind of wrap it, that matters so much on, that's why I just like to say that step five in the eight, from the eight, the conceptualized idea of who God is, to say that that is ego deflating is just, I just believe is inaccurate. Because if it won't inflate my ego, if I kind of created God of my own making and my, that fits kind of the way I want to do things now. But if it is the God who is, that for sure will deflate our ego. That's yeah. called humility. And, uh, so we must, so my, um, the last thing I really want to say is, and then I'll let you talk and kind of wrap things up, put a bow on it for me, Mark, because I could, I could talk about this for another half hour, but, uh, we must confess our sins and our rebellion to the God who is, was, and always will be before we can ever truly get honest with ourselves or anyone else about our sins and all the implications of our sins. So what truly matters is how God sees it, not how Bill sees it, and not how me or you or anybody else sees it. And that is about all I got for today. <laughs> <laughs> that is the final word. Well, and I, I think about even your first point, just going back to that for one second. I, I'm, Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. So you can actually 
admit something and still be concealing it from God in your in your mind and in your heart. You you can't. God sees everything. We know that. But it's like people will admit, oh, I did that, but they kind of admit it in a way that they don't really confess it as sin. They don't take it all the way. And that was your point. And then the rest of that verse reads, but he who confesses and forsakes them, so those transgressions that they were trying to hide, confess and forsake, you'll obtain mercy. And I just I just love that. Beautiful. I, I just uh, really thank you for being on the podcast today. This is such an important topic, and I think you've handled it with grace and let people to he- hear the, the truth of the matter. Um, but you're not, you're not even saying this from a, you know, I'm just a judgmental books you've read. You've lived it and you've seen it and the futility of it. And praise God, he brought you out of that into his marvelous light with his word so that you can know the one true God, the only God, the highest power, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The gospel is so much better. It's so much better. There's so much more power. and then, then trying to do it on your own. That's the whole, really, I mean, I know many have probably said it already, but the 12 steps and the 12 traditions are really just us still trying to earn God's favor, earn or work our way. It's works-based, it's performance-based. And if it's not rooted and grounded in the gospel and what Christ, his, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection, then it is sinking sand. Amen. Well, this is C.J. McMurray. He is with The Refuge. Visit the website, refugewinterset.com, refugewinterset.com, The Refuge. They just had a blessing in a new coffee shop uh, called The Cellar. Am I right about that? The Cellar? Yes, sir. And uh, they have taken on this uh, coffee shop in Winterset, Iowa. And it's exciting to see how God continues to bless this ministry and grow it as they're just taking a step of faith. CJ's the founder. He's now the program director uh, of this great program in Winterset, Iowa, that's taking a step of faith to say, hey, we want to just reach the addicted and their families and help them to know who Christ is. So thank you, CJ, for all that you do for the kingdom. And thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you, brother. It was my pleasure. All right, join us tomorrow as we talk about step six. We look forward to seeing you then. Take care.